G'day and welcome to GradChat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's GradChat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC. So thank you very much for them. Don't forget CFRC is on a fundraising drive right now. And so it'd be really good if anyone wants to keep the station going as it is all on uh, donations to keep um, the studio and all the programming happening for you um, as a local community radio station. So just a little plug there. So you can find out more about that on the cfrc.ca website. Now, don't forget, if you miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcast or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. But today, I would like to introduce you to Rubayat Jabin, who is a PhD candidate in education under the supervision of Dr. Maria Myers. Welcome to GradChat, Rubayat. Thank you, Colette. It's wonderful to be here. And I love it. And we are in the studio. Yes, uh, Rubaiyat decided she wanted to do it in the studio. And even though we've still got the masks on, we are here. And it's actually fabulous to be in the station. Also to introduce our students to CFRC because there's so much that goes on in here, even though it's a little quiet today, uh, with all the record collection, which is, is dating me. Maybe I should say CDs and things <laughs> that are here. And it's always nice to be able to show what can be done and opportunities to do your own programming, which maybe one day uh, more of our students will do some more of their own programming. But today we have two main focuses for this conversation. Um, But before we get on to that, because I always like to sort of keep you waiting a little bit, Rubert, what led you to come to Queen's to do your PhD? As I noticed, you've studied both in Bangladesh, your home country, and in the United States. So why Queen's? That's right. So that's actually a wonderful question. I chose to come to Queen's because I wanted to work in education and I wanted to research international education to be specific. And the work that Queen's is doing right now in terms of education research is what actually drew me and attracted me. And I made the decision uh, applying to Queen's. <laughs> and I was fortunate that I got the opportunity to come here and do my research as well. Basically, it has been the research that's going on at the Faculty of Education, which attracted me to want to become a part of this community over here at Queen's. That's awesome. I, I like to hear those sorts of stories because it's always interesting to find out why people come to a particular university. And like I said, you're, you're from Bangladesh, but then you went to the US and did your master's down there. And, and now, of course, coming up to Canada. So I'm very happy that you chose Queen's. And it's always nice to hear that we're doing research that's of interest to you. So that's that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And I guess that was actually a really good segue. I mean, you're talking about international education. So it's a great segue into the fact that this week is actually the inaugural International Education Week here at Queen's, which is a week of activities hosted by our very own Queen's University International Centre, or QUIC, and the Student Academic Success Services, or SAS, as we know. Now, Rubiat, 
you've been part of helping coordinate the week. So before we get into your own research, what made you want to help out? And, and then I guess the second question, what is the intention of International Education Week here at Queen's? Okay, so international education is something that's very close to my heart. I'm very passionate about working with international students to help them, uh, to facilitate them with their own academic success. So that is also the crux of my research. And SAS and Quick have been very integral to my research. Um, they have helped me a lot along the way with data collection, with connecting with the right people. And this entire International Week is a, a huge opportunity for all of us who want to work with international students, help them move forward, create awareness regarding international education. So this brings us all together and gives us this beautiful opportunity to share and create and raise awareness. And that's also the purpose of the International Week as well. So because of all the international students that are now coming into Queens, brightening up the community, adding to diversity, creating a multicultural environment, it is essential that we sort of create awareness as to how we can make better support system uh, for these international students who are becoming a part of our community and contributing so much. So that's what's going to be the biggest takeaway from the International Education Week. Uh, we are going to share our research, share our thoughts and ideas on how to make international education much more conducive to success for the international students. That is awesome. So it's a combination then of showcasing, for instance, international research, whether you're an international student doing research or whether you're a domestic student doing research on international. So that's one part. But then you, um, if I've understood this correctly, there's workshops and things too. Yes. So there will be workshops. There will be other kinds of conference presentations and uh, also, you know, just sharing sessions where people will talk about their ideas, share their research findings, and just have a general conversation or discussion regarding what is happening in the arena of international education right. and how it can be taken forward. And I guess a big part of that too, as we know a lot of our international students, English is not their first language, and that at times can be a barrier to both the student themselves and sometimes to the listener on the other side, whether that's a faculty member, a staff member, or a peer. So I know SAS does a lot of work on English as a second language to help people with their writing and conf confidence in presenting and things, knowing that you know they've got an accent that not everyone understands. I have an accent, not everyone understands me. And so it's, it's okay to have an accent, but how do we help people understand that, that one, for them, it's okay to have an accent, and two, the people on the other side to say, you know what, we're all different, you just got to start listening a little bit more. Absolutely, and this actually is what my PhD research is all about. So it's all about accepting and being open and being aware of the varieties that exist which are all useful and which are all actively being used globally because English 
is no more limited to its native speaker boundaries anymore. Mm -hmm. It has transcended the native speaker boundaries. It has gone into parts of the world where it took on the local variation and became another variety of English, which actually is also known as world Englishes. So there is this whole area of study called world Englishes that looks at all these varieties of English that sort of arose because of globalization, which is globalization Mm -hmm. plus localization of the language. So when international students come to Canadian universities or any other North American university for that matter, they bring their variety of English. Right. And it's very important for us to be open and aware to their varieties so that we can help them to make that smooth transition into what is required in their Canadian post-secondary education context. Right. So the varieties of English would have uh, different formats of written work, would include syntax that's different, would include morphology, lexicon, Mm -hmm. and all of that will be different from one variety to the other. It's important for us to understand not to have the perception that something which is not commonly used by us is an error because it's not. It's just another variety. And just be open to it and accept it and make ourselves more aware of it so that we can respect all the beautiful varieties of Englishes that are there in the world today. Nicely said, actually, because I know, you know, coming from Australia, that's... I have my nuances and, and how I say certain certain things for certain um, for certain times, and I I can I can see the Canadians look and go, what the heck is she talking about? <laughs> and I go, oh, you got to have it in context. And in our context, this means this. In your context, it probably means this. And I have to remind myself, okay, I'm in Canada now. I've got to remember. What is the Canadian context of some of these words? But that's that's one of the things about the English language. Yes, absolutely. Is that there's always an exception to the rule in, in the writing and in everything else because there are so many dialects of English. And I, I, I to be honest, I've always felt very lucky that English is such a, a world language these days. Mm-hmm. Because although it has made me very lazy, not learning another language. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, So I am from Bangladesh, and Bangladesh predominantly follows the British standard. Right. That's another word that I have a problem with, Mm -hmm. standard, because who is to say what the standard is is for English anymore? Mm -hmm. Because of all the changes that has happened to the landscape of the language, right? Right. So... um, When I was studying in Bangladesh, I followed the British standard. Then when I went to the U.S. for my master's, I had to unlearn everything. Right. And then I had to pick up the North American ways of speaking, writing, even listening. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm here in Canada, again, there are differences, not major ones, but there still are differences. Right. So then I had to unlearn the American English again and relearn what I needed to for my Canadian post-secondary education purpose. So this is where the international students, particularly the undergraduates, struggle a lot. Right. Um, And that's why it's important for us as educators and facilitators to be 
aware of all these varieties, at least be open to find out and learn more about these varieties so that we can provide the help that the international undergraduate students would need. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before I go back to the International Education Week, and maybe we'll pick that up again a bit later, but let's go back into your research and your topic was called Culture Behind Writing, an inquiry into the challenges and cultural influences on second language writing in the Canadian academic context. Now, you've given us a bit of an idea of where you're coming from, but can you sort of summarise that a little bit more before we get into some more specifics? Because what I want to know, and we just talked about the English language, but we have international students um, who... Uh, you know, like yourself, may have come, been born in, in Bangladesh and, and English was used in Bangladesh. But we've got people who have come from other countries where English wasn't spoken at all in their country and now having to learn a totally new uh, language altogether as opposed to just changing the nuances. So can you just give us a bit of an, a, a general overview of what you're trying to do in your research and then we can get on to those questions a bit more? Sure. Thank you. So my study basically explores the academic English writing challenges of multilingual international undergraduate students. Right. So uh, the influence of their first languages on and individual cultures on their academic English language writing and how best to support them to become successful English language writers in the Canadian academic context. Right. So that's um, my purpose, the purpose of my study in brief. Mm -hmm. But I'd also like to add that when we say multilingual international undergraduate students, there is no way to put them in a box. Right. Because just as you described, there are so many different students coming from so many different linguistic and cultural backgrounds. Some of them may have had English prior English schooling. Some of them may have not had prior English schooling. Mm -hmm. So their needs would look totally different. But what happens with international students is that if they want to get admitted to a North American or an English-speaking university uh, in an English-speaking part of the world, they will have to come in with a language proficiency test score. Right. So that's actually the gatekeeper. So when they come in with a test score that is sufficient for admission, they are admitted, right? Right. Um, and it is assumed that they have the language skill which is required to be successful in the secondary mm -hmm. uh, post-secondary context. Right. But oftentimes, um, these tests are only for test taking. They yeah. do not really prepare the students for the academic skills that they would require once they're here. So again, to assume that just because the students have the score, which is the cutoff score for admission, it's not to say that they will not have specific needs, which are very different from the local students here in Canada. Well, I think that's the same with any test, right? Are we really testing what we want to be, to achieve? <laughs> Absolutely. So, and so, I mean, most of these um, tests that you're talking about look at the writing, they look at listening and oration. Yes. But again, is it in the actual context of being in an academic institution 
and how it works in that particular environment. Because these tests are done throughout the world, mm-hmm. but um, what's what's helpful here in Canada could be totally different to what's helpful down in America. Absolutely, and that's why I keep on saying who's to say what the standard is. Right, right. <laughs> right? And also, Faculty of Ed does a lot of wonderful research on testing, the valid validity of tests. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> world of testing research, and it's wonderful. So, so why... I mean, I guess you've actually answered it. Why is your research relevant? I mean, because how much should we go by these tests and how much else should we be doing as an institution to help international students? Right. So in addition to these tests, there are various other reasons that make my study important and relevant for the field of second language writing, such as the ongoing internationalization of higher education in Canada, Mm -hmm. and the increasing number of international undergraduate student enrollment at the universities. Then we have the uninvestigated academic writing challenges of the international undergraduate students. Also, there are research gaps regarding the particular academic writing needs of the international undergraduate students and the positive influences of their first language culture, on their English language writing. Right. And also the global use of English as a lingua franca and the advent of the new varieties of English around the world made it important for me to raise the questions that I'm trying to investigate through my research. Which is great, which is great. And and I can imagine there's a lot of questions that you have there. So why are the voices you explored in your research important? Okay, that's a wonderful question. Firstly, I'd like to mention that my study is qualitative. Mm-hmm. So I used focus group discussions and semi-structured interviews to elicit and explore the voices of English as an additional language writing consultants, English for academic purposes instructors, and multilingual international undergraduate students. Right. Now, the coming together of these voices is important because they are fundamentally associated with the academic writing process and preparation. The language instructors at the School of English facilitate international students to acquire academic English in preparation for their undergraduate education. Right. Uh, the writing consultants provide regular second language writing support to both international undergraduate and graduate students at all levels of their education and all programs of the study at university. Um, Last but not least, the study would not have been complete without representing the voices of the multilingual international undergraduate students who are at the very heart of the whole experience. So that's why these are the voices that are fundamental to this research, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're the ones that I'm exploring. I'm glad you mentioned some of the resources available, like the School of English and uh, Student Academic Success Services and what they they do there. Because I really do think, you know, we can all go away and learn things, but to actually practice things properly, you need to be in the right environment, I think. And so, you know, the School of English is wonderful, what they do to help prepare students have a better understanding of the language and the culture that they're currently in. And, of course, as you mentioned with SAS, the, the work that they do is, uh, I mean, it's amazing what they do, in my opinion. And I'm, maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm not an international student, but uh, clearly they've, they've done a lot there. So 
tell us a bit more about your findings because you've got you know you've got different groups there that you're you're talking about right um and uh, again i just wanted to emphasize that you know hearing from the language instructors the writing consultants is i cannot emphasize on the importance because they're the ones who will provide us with the best picture possible mm -hmm. and then we can take that into account to sort of decide on what next needs to be done next. So when you um, say we, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to interrupt there, sure. sorry. And when absolutely. you say we, because yes, they're helping, but then it doesn't stop there, right? Because we still need, in the we, in my opinion, the teaching assistants, the faculty, you know, the professors and things, um, the staff to also assist in this Yes, change. absolutely. So the entire system. Mm -hmm. So the educators, anybody who facilitates international students, the entire university, and not just one university, all the universities in Canada probably can mm -hmm. benefit from listening to the voices of the instructors, writing consultants, and the international undergraduate students themselves. So um, going back to my findings then, um, I actually have uh, four major findings, and I'll talk about each one of them. Great. So firstly, my findings reveal that the multilingual international undergraduate students face academic writing challenges with writing mechanics, such right. as the use of correct vocabulary, sentence construction, and grammar. They also face challenges with strategic use of language, such as writing research reports, using citations and references, expressing original ideas and critical thinking through writing, keeping the readers in mind when writing, mm -hmm. and even communicating with professors in writing. My findings also reveal that for international undergraduate students, using their first language is an integral, integral part of their academic English writing process. It helps their pre-writing process in many useful ways. Mm -hmm. They can generate better ideas and thoughts when they use their first language for brainstorming or mind mapping before they start drafting their thoughts in English. Right. Now, this finding is important because quite often students are discouraged to use their first language in their academic English writing process thinking that it influences the student's English writing negatively. But from my findings, we can see that it actually has a huge positive influence. Yeah. So moving on to my third one, well, the third finding shows that there is room for improvement in the way international students' needs are addressed and supported. It is important for educators um, to get to know the linguistic and cultural backgrounds of all international students to provide them with the specific help and guidance they require. So it is crucial to understand that there are a variety of individual factors such as individual culture, prior schooling, family and social experiences, subject of study and personal interests to name a few that contribute to the differing academic writing needs of each individual student. Even the ones with the same country and first language may have very different academic writing needs. And that is the reason why it is important to first find out what the students need and then provide them with specific support instead of following a general guideline 
which may not cater to everyone's needs. Mm -hmm. And the last one is about creating more awareness and acceptance. And we did talk about this at the beginning, that, you know, there are varieties of Englishes, also known as world Englishes, in use across the world today. So the English language has transcended the native speaker boundaries. It's a lingua franca, or the common language of global contact, right? Featuring a variety of writing formats, syntax, morphology, and lexicon. So the international students who come to the Canadian universities bring these varieties of Englishes. And it is important not to perceive their varieties as errors. Mm -hmm. Instead, it is essential to be aware and accepting of these varieties to help the students make a smooth transition into the academic requirements of their post-secondary education context in Canada. So these are my major findings. And so it's interesting some of the things you were saying there. Uh, I mean, one, if we'd had this conversation, say, 10, 15 years ago, one, one could probably, or probably were saying that, well, if you come to Canada, you you know you're coming to, for instance, an English-speaking university. That's up to you to learn how to fit in accordingly with the English language. That, that's your job before you get here. You want to be here? This is what that would have been 10, 15 years ago. Things have changed, luckily, yes, absolutely. where we can now say, okay, you know, you're you're a good student. We want to we want to have your cultural perspective and your your experiences as part of this university to help with discussion, et cetera, et cetera. So even though you still need to have a certain competency in English, what else can we do to sort of make it better for you and also the people that you're wanting to interact with in your university's stay? Yeah. So it's really, really important what you're bringing forward. So thank you. Thank you. And absolutely. I'd just like to mention that maybe 10 or 15 years ago, things were very different because the Canadian universities were not looking to internationalize, right? Correct. But right now, internationalization is at the core mm-hmm. of the Canadian universities. And also, you know, North. we can, we can even say North American universities. Yes. So that's the reason why... Uh, we need to create that awareness because it goes with that mission of yes. internationalization. Yes. Yeah, so if we're going to say it, we let's, have let's, to work you have for to do it. something with. Yes, absolutely. Right. Which is which is great that you're doing that. So, um, so what are the future implications there? Because you, you're right. I mean, the the Canadian university system has is changing for the better. Um, You know, the old ways, as much as people like to go, well, this is how what a university should be like. It's changing. We need to change with it. We can still be an institution of higher education, but let's let's expand our knowledge and our global impact as as they, you know, some of those buzzwords. So what do you see the future implications of your work? Sure. So it's actually very simple. It's too simple. All we have to do is we need uh, more resources regarding the world Englishes so that our educators can make themselves aware, read up on it, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, take the time to understand how it works. Um, and also we need more awareness and openness towards the varieties of English and the first language cultures of the students. So, yes, Canadian universities will always propagate the Canadian standard, so to speak, but then just to be able to understand the needs and wants 
of the students better, so that mm-hmm. we can help them with their success. Right. It's important for us to have that mentality to be open, accepting, and try to find out, learn from the students what needs to be done to help them out further. Right. right? And all of this can be achieved through ongoing discussions and workshops. So it's very simple. We just need the system in place. And it's quite a simple system too, right? Of Mm -hmm. openness, of exchange, and of actually trying to find out from the students what what it is that they require. So I guess that's come full circle back to International Education Week when you're talking about, you know, more workshops and discussions and things. So question is, this International Education Week, we don't just want it to be students speaking to students. We need the other partners in there as well. We need the faculty, we need the staff, all being a part of this International Education Week for us to have a chance for those real discussions where everyone can hear everyone's opinion or thoughts or opportunities, all those sorts of things. So what do you think about that? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we need everybody to come together Mm -hmm. to create a holistic picture of what it looks like right now and what needs to be done moving forward. Mm -hmm. And we need to include multiple voices. Just like my research, I didn't think it would be complete without the three essential voices that work with academic writing at different stages of the international student's journey, right? So just like that, it's wonderful that the International Education Week is bringing in not only the students, but also the educators and the other facilitators and everybody who's involved in helping the international students to come together and share thoughts, share ideas to figure out how international education can be made better. And this is also a celebration of international mm-hmm. education, right? Yeah. So. Coming together is very important. All the different voices need to be raised and heard. And I think we've heard that a lot recently, that all voices need to be heard. So, you know, you've said it really, really well. And I, I wish you the best with the, your continuing success success with your research. I know you're going to do an awesome job Thank with Thank you that. so much, I hope. <laughs> uh, well, you will. You'll be fine. Remember, positive. Yes. And, and also, thank you for getting involved with International Education Week and explaining a little, a little bit about it for yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it's been my pleasure. And I, and I guess in future years, more we you know we want to put out to more international students to get involved as well, and um, because again, voices matter. Absolutely. To, to make change. Um, yes. Change for the, the better. Absolutely. So, Rubiat, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really do appreciate it. Um, this is you know this is going to be a great one, and hopefully, people will continue to to continue with these discussions. So, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray.
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.